the funny thing was I was not 100 – I was like 98% but with that still like I'm just – I don't have that kickstart to, to join. And the guy, the the basically the staff and COIC of the recruiting office, he's like, so do you want to join the Marine Corps? And I'm like, yeah, I think, you know, probably. I'm going to take a little bit of time to like – he's like, no, do you want to join the Marine Corps? And I was like, yes. Welcome to How I Embraced the Suck, a podcast where you get to hear from veterans what life in the military is really like. I am your host, Walt, and before we start, you should know that I do not censor the show in any way. You have been warned. All right, so today we have with us Judah, a Marine who has occasionally been known by the name Pogue Actual. Judah, what's up? What's up? What's going on? Cool. Glad you could be on the, the podcast here, kind of tell folks your story and your experiences in the military. What's uh, Give us an overview of your time in the service to date. Uh, to date, well, um, so I joined June 25th, 2019. I was 17 years old. Had um, just gotten kicked out of high school, actually, about six months earlier. Um, was working at a Little Caesars. Um, I was the assistant manager, so I thought I was going places in life. But um, I knew I didn't want to go to college. It was a weird point in my life. Gotten kicked out of high school. Didn't have a degree. Uh, or diploma. Sorry. Um, definitely didn't have a degree. Well, you didn't have a degree either. <laughs> yeah, definitely didn't have a degree. Didn't even have a diploma. Um, like... I was, I was like, I was good at like working, right? Cause like I, I picked up a system manager pretty quick. I was still 17. So it was like, you know, like, you know, obviously I'm not like super lazy, but, um, I didn't want to work at little Caesar for the rest of my life. I knew that like, you know, that's not where I wanted to be. Cause there were 30 and 40 year olds still working there. And I was like, that's not, that's not going to be me. Yeah. So I sent out some applications to a few like retail stores. I'm like, listen, I'll just climb, climb the ladder the old fashioned way, pull myself up by the bootstraps one position at a time. I'll, I'll get to the top. Um, sent out some applications and by which I mean like two to like target and like some warehouse, uh, got no response. Um, probably mostly due to the fact that I wasn't 18 yet. Like, I think a lot of it was just, they were like, you sure. know, you know, still, 17 and i didn't have a high school diploma to attach to it so that probably didn't help me either like you know nowadays right. it's just like assume right. like you gotta have a high school diploma to get a job which is ridiculous it's utterly asinine but whatever um so i was like well crap there goes that plan right because you know i sent out two whole applications and nobody wanted me um a couple uh recruiters came in it was like 11 at night i was cleaning up the store after we'd already closed but i hadn't locked the doors so they walked in and they were like you know hey you want to you want to join the marine corps that's some real nice flattering things about me um, and I was like, sure, why not? Never heard of the Marine Corps up to that point. Like I knew they were military, you know, clearly, I mean, they're, you know, recruiters are, they're in their Bravos, like, the, you know, sure. but they were like, but I didn't know what the Marine Corps was. I didn't understand the, the five branches of service or any of that. So they were like, literally probably if the air force or the Navy or the army or the coast guard had walked in and, and well, I, okay, maybe, maybe not because they don't really have as pretty of uniforms. And I was like, those are some cool uniforms. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, I, it wasn't like, oh yeah, I wanted to, you know, I looked, 
thought about joining and I want to join the Marine Corps because they're like the coolest and the hardest and whatever. Like, no, they just, they just happen to be the ones that talk to me. Um, got lucky there, I guess. Um, they were like, okay, cool. You know, you want to come do a full interview with us? Once I said like, oh yeah, you know, it sounds like something fun. Um, I'm like, yeah. And they're like, when can you do that? I'm like, tomorrow. And they're like, you don't have school or nothing? I'm like, dude, uh, no, <laughs> I don't have anything. <laughs> Literally the only thing in my life right now is work. And, uh, uh, I make my own hours so I can, you know, go do it tomorrow whenever you want. So I went in there. They did their whole recruiting shebang. At that point, by that point, and this is how, like, um, kind of, like, just lost in the sauce I was, I guess, with my life at that point. I'd already decided, like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like, the whole thing right. was just, like, going through the motions for me. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Cool. Um, talk to Easy to sell they had. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> recruiting is is tough. It, like I I have I have friends that have gone through recruiting, who, or who left to go do recruiting who I still talk to, um, and just know some recruiters. And recruiting is tough. Like I'm sure at some point somebody's talked about how hard it is to be a drill instructor. And I know many people who firmly believe that recruiting is harder. You work ridiculous hmm. hours sometimes. Sometimes your your office is three hours away from your house. Like. And you just don't ever see your family. Like recruiting is tough. People don't want to join today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just not worth it for most people. So like yeah, probably one of the easiest sells they had like that month, um, if not the easiest. Um, so um, they're like, all right, we'll come back in tomorrow. We'll do like this practice ASVAP to kind of gauge where you're going to be at with your with your actual ASVAP. You know, we'll, we'll get started on your paperwork. The funny thing was, I was not 100. I was like 98, percent but with that still like. I'm just I don't have that kickstart to, to join, and the guy the the basically the staff and COIC of the recruiting office he's like so do you want to join the Marine Corps and I'm like yeah I think you know probably I'm gonna take a little bit of time to like he's like no do you want to join the Marine Corps and I was like yes sure <laughs> and he's like that's yes sir and I was like I ain't in yet buddy but you know whatever so um came back the next day took the test did pretty well. They're like, all right, uh, when do you want to go? And I'm like, dude, if you could send me tomorrow, I'd, be, I'd say tomorrow. Like, I'm just – like, at that point, I didn't want to deal with my parents. I was like, the best way to not have to listen to anybody is to join the Marine Corps. And then my parents can't tell me what to do, you know? Like, um, Young, dumb kid, just want to get out of the house, didn't have my high school diploma, which actually ended up being a little bit of a hiccup because I was like – because when he asked me about it, I was like, no, nah, I don't have it. I got kicked out, dude. I'll just take the GED. And it's like, you don't want to do that. You want your diploma. I'm like – I don't know what to tell you, dude. It turns out I actually had enough credits to graduate because the co-op that we were doing, um, right. a lot of the junior high stuff that you do counts as high school credits. So had enough credits to graduate. So you know, I was already homeschooled technically and mostly, and so they just you know were like, all right, here's your diploma because they're you know like had the credits and they were able to write it up. So got my diploma. Um, didn't plan on it, but I ended up with it. Um, and they were like, all right, we can send you in like five weeks or so. Um, I left within two months of meeting my recruiters for the first time, still having hmm. zero clue about the Marine Corps. Um, there was actually one point about three weeks after I met him that they were like, Hey, you can go today. Um, you just take this kid's contract. He was going to be an 03. And I was like, yes. Um, cause that's what I wanted to do. Um, O three O three is what? It's infa- infantry. So like, okay. you know, grunts, they get to go kill people and do cool stuff. And, yeah. Hump all over the place. Much, much, much cooler than what I do. Um, and uh, so I was like, I was saying my goodbyes. And then it turned out, so my parents, 
somewhere along the line, my birth certificate got lost. I don't know who actually lost it or what happened with it, but it got lost. So I had to order a new one. took about two weeks to come in, and it was not there yet. So that was the only reason I didn't leave then, which coincidentally, if I had left then, I almost certainly would not have ended up in Quantico doing a job that I hate. Like, you know, like I hate being in Quantico. I'm non-deployable. Like there, um, being in Quantico is essentially a death sentence for your career. Like if, even if you wanted to stay in, which their retention rate is like less than a percent. It is, hmm. it is abysmal here because it's, it's just such a horrible environment. Um, there, uh, there are people here who like right after nine 11 happened, which we're recording this, like, you know, just a couple days after the 20th anniversary, right after nine 11 happened, they were saying, we want volunteers to go like get boots on the ground there. And, um, one of my, uh, one of my officers, um, my, my chief warrant officer, he was one of the first people, he was one of the first like 10 people to go down there and sign their name. Like, Hey, I want to go. Um, never got the call. They didn't want to send him. Had a great record. Exemplary Marine to this day is, is like, I mean, most of the people walking around Quantico three, four, five, six ribbons, maybe this dude just fat stack. Um, like never, never got sent, went down and tried to go again. Nothing. Quantico, you are non-deployable. Hmm. They just didn't want to lose him. It's it's one of, from where he was. So people get so frustrated about this. Every, everybody teases reservists right up until they get out of schoolhouse, and then the reservists get to go home, and you have to go you know somewhere else and do some some dumb crap. Um, and the reservists then get to go home for six months, and then they deploy and go do cool stuff. And then they come back home, and then they deploy again and do cool stuff. And they, like the reservists, literally get everything. They 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 get you know nice gear, and they get you know all the fun deployments. Like because when you're when you're a part of the machine, the machine can't spare you, right? Like the infrastructure, right. That, right. like especially here in Quantico, everybody here in Quantico, except for a couple, like like the um the CRT team, uh, crisis response team, uh, mm-hmm. or SRT, SRT, I think. Uh, anyway, there's like one team that's part of the, the MSG DRT? program. Um, that Donut they response team do have one of those. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, you know, they can once deploy. You, once, yeah, they, well, they they yeah. get dropped into They're like um, they uh they they get sent out. They they go do their thing. They get dropped into um like if an embassy is under attack, they would be oh sure sent, sent sure. to go. So they're part of the MSG program, which is the Marine Security Guards. They're the guys. They're the Marines that are on station on the embassies protecting. They're actually there for the um, classified data, not the actual like ambassador or American citizens there. That's all CAA contractors. Sure. Um, they're there for any classified information, um, and that's actually part of their procedures. I I'm know most of this because I was going to be on MSG for a while at one point. Okay. Um, which we'll get to. Um. Anyway, they um, they're deployable. Nobody else is, um, because once you're like, if you have a machine, right, and you 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 have this machine in operation, you can't just pull a random you know part out of that machine and expect it to ke- still keep operating sure. correctly, yeah, yeah. right? So so when you become when you're when you're a uh, an active duty status, um, like part of the Marine Corps, or I'm sure it's the same in all the branches, right? You they can't pull you out of whatever you're doing to support the basic infrastructure that you know the basic skeleton mm-hmm. that holds the service together to go do something else. So unless you're actively part of like one of the specific units that's supposed to do that or a reservist, 
you're you're basically working a nine to five where you have to shave, cut your hair, and you know wear a certain set of clothes. Um, and it's and it's ten times worse in Quantico. You work around. I I have been surrounded by civilians um, the entire time I'm here. Like the civilian to marine ratio when it comes to the workforce on Quantico is one to one at best. Hmm. Um, I work around more civilians than Marines. And, and the worst part is a lot of these civilians are former Marines. So they feel they, well, they know that they can treat the Marines like crap to make themselves look good. And there's, there's a huge amount of like politicism Hmm. and and careerism going on for these people. They can make some serious money if they Hmm. advance high enough. So I've had leadership that was civilian, former Marine. They know like the, the issues of being in a lot of them were Marines on Quantico. So they already understand how much it like is just garbage. You don't, you don't, it doesn't even suck for a purpose. It just sucks to suck. Um, they will you embrace it. Uh, <laughs> I wonder when that was going to happen. Anyway, <laughs> they, um, they, they, they don't even, um, you know, they, you would assume they would understand, but they, they're more than willing to step on you to, to get themselves a little higher, get their fingers a little deeper in the cookie jar. So, like, you know, anyway, so point being, Quantico, you do not get to deploy. You don't get to do anything fun. Um, and I and I completely forget where I was. Where I was. Well, yeah, so so it sounds like, I mean, kind of, you're saying as a Marine, your, your career kind of flatlines at, if you're at Quantico. Yes. But for the civilians, there's opportunity to grow. Yes, because so as a marine, right? And this is not not as true anymore, but used to be, and for a lot of marines still, you join the marine corps because you want to do marine corps crap. Like you want to go shoot at people, you want to get shot at, you want to get, you know, you want to go through a lot of the suck, right? Um, You want to have to deal with all that crap. The essence of Quantico is the opposite of that. It is politics and it is infrastructure and it is everything that I hate in life. Like, you know, it's like all of the worst things that you can have all just bundled up into this one soggy mess of horribleness. Um, You're you're so essential to maintaining the bureaucracy that they can't spare you to do the actual job of the bureaucracy. Yes, exactly. And so like you'll, you'll see it in the news a lot right now. um, Like top generals, making political statements or, you know, weighing in on, on things that are very political in nature. They're not Mm, out there like commanding a force and being like, this is how, you know, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. They're in there making policy, working with policy directors, talking about, you know, um, like billion dollar contracts and, um, all that political, that, that is the upper echelon of the military today. Um, you're very close to that in Quantico. It's the headquarters of the Marine Corps. The FBI training Academy is here. Um, OCS is here, which is where they train the officers. Like, there's just there's this there's this really like there's there's like um what was that? Uh, you remember the Chi uh, like Lego show and or like it was like Lego sets and they had like a little show or whatever. There's like a lot of Chi energy here where you can become very powerful if you're a civilian, right? And you want to climb the those ranks. Okay, sure. Um, you lost me with the reference, but you picked me back up when you started right. talking about civilians. <laughs> One second. One second. I got to take this. Hey, what's up? All right. Anyways, as I was saying, so it's a great place for civilians to climb the ladder. It is where Marines come to die. Most of the Marines here are either careers that are passing through, careers that are trying to crawl their way up a little bit closer to the top, or somebody within their first two enlistments that's broken. The Marine Corps isn't willing to kick out for whatever reason, or they just haven't bothered to. And, you know, they're just living out the rest of their days here at Quantico getting to die their Marine Corps death, right? 
And then you have a few people like me that are first-termers and really never had major, like, issues. Like, I've, I'm, you know, I've never been, like, limited duty or anything. Um, sure. But just they needed a body, and I got sent here. Um, so it, 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 it sucks. But anyway, so shipped to boot camp, had that wonderful experience, um, during which time I learned that I don't look good bald. Um, and, uh, was, was it difficult, uh, going into boot camp being a twink? Ouch. Um, <laughs> physically, no, because everything there is, is like body weight oriented, right? You don't lift weights, right? You're just, you're running, you're doing push ups, you're doing pull ups. So if you're light, it's not a big deal. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, being a smaller person, um, you know, I would, I would have described myself more as lean than a twink. There, okay. Fair enough. Um, hey, sugar bugger. Um, so that, that part didn't suck so much, um, as like, I mean, you miss home, you know, it's, a, it's, it's way more mental games. It's a, it's a mental mm. now, now for some fat people, it might be very, very, you know, physically difficult, but if you're in reasonable shape physically, it's very doable. Um, there's a couple of rough parts, physically crucible, um, some of the hikes that, you know, get up there in mileage, but for the vast majority of semi-fit or healthy individuals, it's going to be the mental strain, the emotional strain. Um, they, mm. The whole point is to constantly put you in the state of like stress and like you never know when something's going to happen. You, you don't sleep well because something's going to happen. You don't ever feel relaxed. Um, right. The goal is is mental agility and mental resiliency and, and, and toughness. That's the – that's the entire purpose of boot camp for the Marine Corps. Um, okay. So, and yeah, that was an interesting one. I don't think it worked quite correctly on me. Because um, <laughs> I kind of came out of there and was like, I guess, so going in, I didn't really have normal social skills. Um, as you can probably attest because you knew me before the Marine Corps. Um, definitely a weirdo. And then during boot camp, like it turned me into like a super beta, I guess for a little while and hmm. then and then upon arriving in quantico like all of my friends were like alphas and so like kind of started changing my mentality again a little bit i guess kind of emerged out of out of my first year in quantico with more of the mentality i was supposed to have coming out of boot camp um but yeah like, boot camp is just not that like i mean everybody has you know does boot camp and they do it the same way and you know everybody goes to the same thing it's not, really not that interesting it sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, you deal with it for three months. You're fine. Um, the mothers of America need to stop complaining about it. Um, went to 20. Well, I went to um, Camp Pendleton for MCT. That was fun. That was the closest to being a Marine I ever got. Like, you know, it's Marine combat training. So you actually get to shoot M240 Bravos just a little tiny bit. You do more hikes. Um, you live in the field for a week. Eat a lot of dirt. Um, the, I guess the most interesting thing about that is that you have, um, we didn't have running water when we were out there. Like, like you had access to a little bit hmm. of drinking water, but you couldn't like, they didn't even have hand sanitizer. So like you come out of the, like, you know, you're out there for a week, you're going to poop, you're going to, you're going to piss and you have no way hmm. to clean your hands whatsoever. Like, unless you want to use your very, very limited amount of drinking water for that. Um, and so like, you know, lots of, lots of dirt in your MREs and stuff. I, I guess that was kind of interesting. No wet wipes? Uh, I didn't have any. I don't know. There may have been people with some. I didn't have any. Um, did MCT. 
whole lot of yada yada yada. Um, went to Twenty Nine Palms. Twenty Nine Palms was fun because my instructor had just gotten off of a Mew, which is a Marine Expeditionary Unit. They they go out on boats and sail around and and like mm-hmm. posture and saber rattle with China and Russia and all of them. Um, and they'll do like that disaster relief and stuff via the Mews. Um, they're sure. they're they're kind of the they're they're America's equivalent of the cop car that shows up at your house that was patrolling, you know. Um, and and that analogy is is more more deliberate than you would think. Like the Marine Corps loves to refer to itself as America's nine one one, right? Emergency disaster. Right. Marine Corps is designed in its essence to be able to just respond quickly. Um, and and that's why they're called America's Force and Readiness. That's why that doesn't take a congressional act to deploy the Marine Corps or to use the Marine Corps. It's it's the president can just go and say like, Hey, I want them to go do this and they'll go do that. Sure. That's the whole point of the Marine Corps. So he just got off of you, him and his buddy actually. And they, they, they were both instructors for the, our class and another class, very competitive. Um, and that was as far as like, um, calisthenics and cardio, the best shape I was ever in in my life. Um, I was a very, very solid, like 140, 150, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was it was all muscle, and I could run forever. Lots of sand hills in Twenty Nine Palms, and every morning it was like, all right, we're up at like five thirty, maybe. Um, full camis, assault packs full of rocks, and we're gonna go run. And the biggest people, he'd be like, "Yep, casualty, casualty, casualty. You're carrying them." Um, and always a competition with uh, his buddy's class, right? And that was right. that was five days a week. Um, came out of there in very good running shape. Um, I was in really good shape coming out of there. Then I got to Quantico. Nobody's really making me PT like crazy anymore. And I got skinny again. And then eventually a buddy of mine started dragging me to the gym. And I put on like 40 pounds in like three months. Um, which sounds utterly insane. But I was living on Pop-Tarts and coffee. So like I started yep. going to the chow hall regularly and drinking protein shakes all the time. So I put on weight fast. Like – crazy fast inhumanly fast and then i plateaued and you know i'm unfortunately not superhuman i don't just keep gaining uh muscle weight perpetually which would be nice um but i got to quantico i was like super excited you know pumped up i got you know all the stuff that's gonna you know like i'm ready for my marine corps career to begin i get here and they don't even know where i'm supposed to be going as far as units go they try to send me like three different places and they all rejected me um story of my life um <laughs> And then, so they ended up sending me to the, the to the base G six, and the base G six was like, okay, cool. Uh, we have this twenty four seven watch. You're gonna be the night shift. So my first year here, essentially, I would sit in a chair for twelve hours a night, and without knowing what was going on, my only job was like, hey, if something does go bad, she's fine. If something does go bad, uh, you need to call somebody, wake them up. Like so that they can fix the problem. My my only job was to be there to call people if something went wrong because I didn't I couldn't fix anything. I I had no knowledge, no skills, no capabilities. Right. And I did that for about a year. Um. And then at the end of this year, they finally took me off the night shift, and they would periodically take me off for like a, a day or two or a week just to mess with my sleep schedule, so I can never really get fully accustomed to either days or nights. But um, at least I, I'm pretty sure it was malicious. Anyway, um, I came off from night shift. Um, and everybody was looking at me like, you know, like I would sit there all day and be like, dude, I don't know what's going on. Um, 
and they'd be like, how do you not know what to go, you know, what's going on? You're a Lance Corporal, you know, you've been here for over a year. And I'm like, yeah, I was on night shift. Right. No, nobody taught me anything. <clears throat> what I learned in the schoolhouse applies zero to what we're doing here. Um, this is on y'all, not me. Um, <laughs> they were still like mind blown that I didn't understand the entire job after having been there for a year. They're like, well, didn't you study for sec plus? I'm like, no. No, nobody told me to do anything. I just, I just showed up to work. I sat in the chair for twelve hours, like that's what I did. Um, so then I got uh, one day. I look in my inbox. I got MSG orders, um, which I didn't know what they were. I didn't know why they were there. Um, um, just was like, dude, I don't know what these are. So I spoke to my NCO. I was like, hey, I don't know what these are. I don't know why they're here. I don't want them. I'm good. Um, please make them go away. And she was like, okay, I got it. Okay, cool. A week later, I followed up, and I was like, hey, Corporal, did you ever deal with uh, those orders? Um, did you talk to Staff Sean about it? And she was like, yeah, nope, I dealt with them. They're good. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Cool. All right. Three months later, our mass hunt's on the watch floor, which is the, the skiff that I worked in. Um, it's got zipper in it, so, you know, no phones, no windows, lock, sure. locking door, all that stuff. He's on the floor and he points at me. He's like, you, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have MSG orders, right? And I'm like, I did not know that mass on. Huh? I was told those went away. Um, and he's like, yeah, you have them. Go look at your MOL. So I, so I go on MOL, which is Marines online. It's got like a lot of information, including orders and stuff like that. And I look at it and sure enough, I got MSG orders still. And I read through them more carefully with a little bit more knowledge now, three months later. And basically the, just the orders is you're going to go do MSG. These are involuntary orders. If you do not want these orders, you have two weeks to let us know. Otherwise, we assume it's a yes. Um, you know, and then yada, yada, yada. This was, like, you're reading this three months later. Yeah, three months later. Which is so, longer than two weeks. If my math is correct. So so I was I was pretty upset. Um, I just found out that my fiancé at the time was pregnant. And we were planning on getting married. But you can't be married on the MSG program. And, and that's the that's the uh the marine MSG security guards the, they yeah. yeah they do the embassies so while the msg is a really cool program i was like no <laughs> like i just found out that she's pregnant i want to get married and you know deal with all this stuff i got lots lots to deal with right now i do not want to be on msg and i told i told my chain of command basically like i i i'm not doing this i here's my situation. And they were like, what are you talking about? You can't just like not do it. These are orders. You have to go do it. And there was like this huge, like, um, what do they call it? Uh, um, uh, cognitive dissonance between the two of us where, yeah. uh, where I'm like, I'm saying this and to th me, this makes sense. And they're saying this and to them, that makes sense. And they just like, you know, we weren't even speaking the same language. I was saying, right, I'm not right. doing it. And they're saying, these are orders. You have to do them. So we go, we go round and round and round. And eventually, uh, they convinced me to not, not do them. And I was like, okay, we'll figure it out. So I'm making plans. I'm figuring everything out. And I was like, I came up with a plan. I was like, listen, if I just run a second class PFD, then I'm no longer eligible for the MSG program. And then COVID hit, and they're like, we're not running PFTs this year. And I was like, you're kidding. Uh, and then like a week before I went to go, MSG basically came out and was like, if you're on the MSG program, you're going to go ahead and run a PFT. Anyway, so I ran my second class PFT, and I have never had a second class PT event of any kind except for this one. 
So you know it wasn't that I was just fat. Um, <laughs> so I ran this PFT, ran it in second class. Um, never heard anything back about it, right? And I was like, oh, they're, they're going to send me anyways. Crap. Um, I'm like, well, it's a little late to turn back now. So I'm getting ready to go. My last day before I was supposed to report at MSG school, which is here on Quantico. So I was just kind of somebody drive me over there, drop me off. Um, packed up my room. Everything's like packed and ready to go. I am checking out at headquarters. So like when you come to and leave um, duty stations or, mm -hmm. or any kind of schoolhouse or anything like that, you check in at a bunch of different places. They acknowledge that they have your paperwork and they know who you are and you're there, right? So and gotcha. then you check out when you leave. Um, I was checking out a battalion. This is like the last step, right? I'd already checked out security, so I wasn't allowed in most of the buildings on base anymore. Um, like, and as I'm walking around battalion, the career planner runs up to me and is like, "Hey, your orders got canceled." I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Literally a few hours before I was getting ready to be driven over to MSG school and dropped off and i was like right okay i guess all right this is what we're doing now so i was like uh so i went i found my staff nco who also happened to be at uh battalion at the time and i was like hey staffs aren't um so my order got canceled uh can i go take a lunch break because i'm like <laughs> like my head's spinning and he was like uh do you already check out our security i'm like yeah he's like no you need to go check back into security before they like like take you off and you can't come into work and i was right. like okay so i did that and it was just like back to life as normal it was so weird like this huge build up to nothing um this is a really weird experience but um then uh so after that i was working we did a move uh, about a year ago, a reorg, um, and so my job completely changed from doing data side, McSend side, internet kind of stuff, right? Call it network, um, to doing the phone side of things. I work with Basetel now, so um, we hmm. handle base phones in certain – well, it's infrastructure branch. So we we also do like long, long distance cable runs. Um, so I got into the experience of hmm. – while my experience started off as like the blandest most like you don't get to do anything now i'm getting to do a lot right. of things like kind of like on the sunset of my time in the marine corps i'm like doing all the things um which is you know it's fine it's interesting you know getting to do more like i was never terrified of fiber um i didn't like i understood kind of the gist of what fiber was like okay it's fast you can go a long ways with it you know it's light mm -hmm. and glass and plastic okay cool um little did i know fiber can kill you if you break it was not aware of that. Yes, if you break hmm. fiber, um, it's very small and very sharp. So you just brush it the wrong way, and it can get under your skin. It can get into your bloodstream. It can get lodged in your heart. If you swallow it, it'll get lodged in your esophagus. It can cause massive problems. Um, if you, so, if it breaks, you know, tiny little shards, very hard to see. Uh, you can burn your retinas if you look into the end of a fiber. Um, I was hmm. not scared of fiber. Now I am terrified, and I refuse to touch it. Um, well, like I'll, I'll work with it, but I, I don't terminate, which is where you actually have the exposed fibers and it's really dangerous. Right. Um, right. I've watched people work with it and they are extremely care careful. Um, I know people who are trained with it. Um, I was not and never have been. I probably never will be because now I am terrified of fiber. Um, <laughs> so hmm. like, yeah, crazy. I mean, I just, I was never scared of fiber before. Now it's like, sure. Um, I used to be scared of breaking fiber, and I'm not anymore. So when I worked on the data side, we never handled fiber. Nobody there ever touched fiber. Um, so there was this attitude of like, don't touch the fiber. If you break the fiber, you know, like everything will go down. Um, 
like there was this terror of like breaking the fiber. You don't you didn't want to push it. You, I mean, you handled it more carefully than you would handle like um like if you had a, like a small bug that you were trying really hard not to squash. Like I mean, right. that was how carefully we were. Like uh, my staff and seal would freak out if we brushed the the fiber in the comms closets. So I go to base tell and they work with fiber all the time. And not only are they super cavalier with the fiber, like what I realized is all that fiber that we had, they'd been freaking out about was the patch cords, which is basically just like short length, um, like usually less than mm. 30 feet. Um, sure. Just like one, one device to another device. Right. So it might be from your jack to your machine or from, you know, your switch to your router or whatever, um, or switch to your patch panel, any kind of, any kind of patch cable is 30 feet or shorter, whether it's cat five fiber, whatever. So these were the, and they're for the most part, they're plug and play, right? You just have a bunch of different lengths. And if you need one, you just pull it out the bag or you grab it out your tool bag and you just plug it in. No big deal. Um, so these were like little patches, short patches that we were like, were the only fiber that we were ever exposed to. So if we'd have broken them, it would have been a five minute fix, but everybody within my previous section was just like, it was like, don't touch the fiber. You'll, right. you'll knock out comms for the whole base. If you brush it too hard, I'm like, this seems like, this, this seems like really dramatic. Like, why is it just well, like all over the place? If it's uh you know, if it's going to, you know, brushing it the wrong way is going to knock out comms for the whole base. That just doesn't seem like good redundancy there. Um, but yeah, no, like now, now people are like, get in their fiber, like, you know, and shoving it and shutting doors on it and stuff. Not really, not really the same attitude at all. Um, especially when it comes to like short, short length patches and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of a fiber that's not tipped though. That, that, that is scary to me. Um, not a lot of things I'm scared of in this world, but tiny invisible little shards, uh, getting into my bloodstream and and cutting up my heart that, that scares me. Um, so yeah, I've been working there for about a year now, do a lot of different stuff. Um, and then as of now working on being ad separated, well, maybe. Probably. Um, so as of September 1st, active duty military members had 90 days to be fully vaccinated. I am not getting vaccinated. Um, you would be surprised by how many people are, though. Um, even people sure. that have no plans of like re- retention within the Marine Corps. I guess it's because you kind of need it to do much of anything nowadays. Um I know two civilians that I work with that uh, are currently unvaccinated and have up to this point been very vocal about how they will never be. I, I don't know if they're going to stand by that. Cause like for me, sure. I was already going to get out within, you know, the next nine months. Um, I'm already virtually unemployable. So it's kind of like, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, for those guys, that's their career. You know, they make a lot of money doing what they do. Um, right. And they have a lifestyle to match the amount of money that they make. Right. So it's like, you're going to have a huge lifestyle shift if they have to go get paid half with, you know, you could survive on half what they get paid, but not with their lifestyle, not with the house that they own and the cars that they own and all that. Yep. So it's like, they have their lifestyle tailored to this current income. That's going to go away if they don't get vaccinated. So that'll be interesting. But anyway, I'm not vaccinated. I have submitted for religious exemption. What I have been informed of is that I have virtually no chance of actually receiving one. Sure. Um, sure. And it's it's one of those things where it's very uncommon. And the Marine Corps basically reserves the right within the Marine Corps orders governing that policy to just kind of be like, 
to to withhold your First Amendment rights at any point in time if it is necessary for mission readiness, mission accomplishment, or whatever other reason. So they're, that's basically what they're going to say is like, yeah, nope, this is a mission readiness issue. We cannot accommodate your religious beliefs. So sure, uh, sure. comply or GTFO. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of waiting for that all to blow up in my face in a few months here. That about so sums you, it up. <laughs> <laughs> you you kind of referenced it a little bit, or you alluded to it rather. Um, but what what's kind of if, looking back at your your full time in the in the Marines, what what impacted your life the most? You think, or, what, or rather, what's what's the biggest uh, the biggest change that's been caused by being in the military? Um. Well, it's 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 hard to know exactly what to attribute attribute to being in the Marine Corps versus just me like aging, right? My Marine Corps experience is from sure. seventeen years old to now twenty, right? That is like a huge mental developmental phase for anybody. You're gonna see anybody in that age range change dramatically. Um, so kind of developing as a person. Now, I I think the Marine Corps probably shaped it to a certain extent, um, in certain ways. But I don't know that it's entirely responsible for the change happening in the first place, right? Um, I would say I've developed a, a certain level of interpersonal, like communication skills, things that I didn't have before. Um, sure. And and kind of like my uh, my outlook on the world, I guess. Um, my exposure to a large number of, you know, people, cultures, belief systems. Um, that the Marine Corps all kind of like vacuums all into one, one little place. Right. Um, has really kind of been like this, like, okay, now my worldview is a lot bigger than it was, you know, when I, you know, barely ever left my hometown. So, um, and, and, and to be fair, the opposite, not the opposite of, but like my view is, is, is really not what you'd expect as a result of that. You'd expect kind of like a, you know, like, oh, I just love all these cultures and I'm a little bit of everything. I'm a little mishmash of sure, this sure. and that and the other. It's really not me. I'm very traditionalist now. I'm very like, this is my heritage and I'm proud of it. And, you know, like, this is who I am. Uh, kind of um, along the lines of this is who my ancestors were and this is who my parents were and this is who my grandparents were and all that stuff. Like, you wouldn't expect that to be the result of that, but it kind of is what it is because I see people that are really proud of, like, whatever culture or heritage they're from. It's like, yeah, I'm proud of who I am. Like, who I am in the essence of like genetically what I what you know, th- those genetic and those cultural things that have been passed down and also who I am is like where I'm from, like me, you know, I'm from Washington hmm. state, but yeah. the boonies of Washington state and hmm. you know, the people that surround me, I'm, I'm proud of that little mini subculture. So yeah, I guess I, th- you know, kind of growing into my personal identity, I guess, which was heavily shaped by my experience in the Marine Corps. And okay. I like guns and I like politics, which was not really a thing before I joined. I joined really like my only exposure to politics being like everybody thought it was hilarious when Donald Trump was running in 2016. And then everybody being like, well, he's actually like maybe going to win this thing. And then everybody's like, well, he actually won this thing. Um, and then I got like really into politics uh, once I got into the Marine Corps. Mm. And, and and like I was, I actually what, wanted... do you think it was was that driven just by your environment or the reality that all of a sudden you're in the Marine Corps and this that fellow matters. could deploy you yeah yeah, um, yeah your your life depends potentially on this guy's decisions I think it was way more environmental 
Like you just see yeah. a lot of really political people in the Marine Corps. Um, and I think for, for a lot of people that are really political, it might be driven by the fact that like, you know, congressional decisions or presidential decisions, executive decisions, whatever that, that guides their whole life. Right. That, you sure. know, they're, everything sure. in their, in their world is, is kind of determined by those people. For a lot of people, though, including myself, it's just those people's investment in politics that drives our investment in politics, and that's just like, well, everybody else is talking about it, so I might as well, you know, figure out what's going on for myself, and you know, so I, I became very, very, very political very fast, and um, to to it to an extreme degree, like I am way more political than almost anybody I know, especially in the Marine Corps. Um, a lot of people are like, dude, who who really cares? And I'm like, I care. I think it's important, right. you know, like it's it's super important to me. Um, and uh, but, but you'll find the Marine Corps is one of those places where you can have conversations with people that disagree very strongly, but you can still have a, like a civil conversation about it. Um, you know, you have people that that grow up in the heart of the cities versus people that grew up, you know, in the in the farthest out parts of Texas that can, you know, have a reasonable conversation about something and dis- agree to disagree or potentially change each other's minds. Because, in, you know, the more that you go through difficult things together, the more that you like can't really afford to be divided over dumb things you know dumb crap that people can afford to be divided about elsewhere like you know not yeah i've I've had it pretty easy compared to i'd say most people in that you know i was on quantico you know i didn't do any field x's i didn't deploy you know like Mm -hmm. but you know there's still sometimes some really long hours and some you know some really crappy leadership and you know that's something that everybody can relate to um Mm -hmm. something that's everybody's experience in the military and um and those kind of things to a lesser degree, but they do the same. They, they, they draw you together and it's like, you can't afford to, to really truly draw those divisions. Like if somebody really is just sucks and is a terrible person, you can hate them, but um, you know, you're not going to hate them on the basis of stupid crap that doesn't really affect you in your day to day. So. Hmm. That's a good. Good point. And okay. Me, I like, I gotta make one... a cultural comment. Sorry. <laughs> I hate to cut you off. I just got to throw this out there. That is why we, as a culture, in this country are so divided. We have not had it hard as a nation since 1920, right? People have had it hard here and there. Some Hmm. people might've had it hard or not, but we as a nation have not had to come together and be like, our lives all suck and we got to work through it since 1920, right? You've had recessions, you've had wars. Nothing has really made the whole country groan and crumble and go, holy cow. Like, you know, this just sucks and it's not anybody's fault. Life just sucks right now. Nobody alive hmm. today that has any influence, right? If you if you experience that and you live through the Great Depression and you remember that, you're uh, like you're 110 years old, you know, and you probably hmm. you know you're 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 an old old person. Nobody really that interacts with anything today has really experienced that, and that's why we're so divided because we can afford to be divided. We sure. can afford to argue about the stupid little crap. So that's my hot take. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We've had maybe like, <laughs> we've had maybe like instances or, or moments that bring, bring, seem to bring the country together, but we haven't had like a real na- nationwide event yeah. that lasts more than, you know, a few days or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you look that at, so like just... so many people and, and again, we're like right after the anniversary, 20th anniversary of nine 11, right? Sure. But yeah. Yeah. On the radio around you and people talk about this, you always hear about people talking about like, listen, in the weeks and days immediately following that, there was this coming together 
where mm-hmm. it didn't yeah. matter what you were before. Right now, you're an American, right? And and you know, and we love our country, and we love the people in this country. And we were mourning, we we're angry, and you know, I was pooping in my diaper, so I don't remember any of this. But I hear people talk about it all the time. That was a moment of oneness for this country, but it hmm. didn't last. There was sure. one day of of awfulness, and then and then the war was in the Middle East, right? Everything was happening over there. Like we could argue about whether we should be bombing this place or that place or how we should be fighting the war, but it wasn't personal. It didn't make our lives suck as a nation, right? Some people's lives sucked, but not the nation, right? The nation wasn't struggling. As a nation, if we want to come together, it's only going to be through struggle and hardship. Hmm. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm thinking I, I like that, um, as a concept, I'm just thinking, Hmm. Yeah, no, that, that is a good point. The, the, uh, the unity that comes about when it's, when it's, when a whole, a large group of people have to undergo something or even not even large, just a group of people like the brother camaraderie of the military. Like if you're in a small unit or something and you all go through an experience, it really unites you. It doesn't even have to and be that we horrible. As a country, yeah. Yeah. We, we as a country haven't really <clears throat> had that universally. I, I see your point. So it does lead to um, increased disagreement and, and cause we're just yammering about nonsense stuff. We've, we have achieved this point where we don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from. We don't have to worry sure. about the bears. The bears are all dead, right? There's no more wolves at the door, and the and the harvest is good and has been good, right? We, you know, the society has nothing to fight, so we fight ourselves. Um, the 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 notes of Iron Mountain or something, or the notes from under my Iron Mountain. I don't remember. There's a really good book about this. Um, it claims to be the notes from like some world leaders that got together and said we have to have conflict every so often to keep the world from tearing itself apart when all they have to fight mm. is each other, right? Um, we as we as an American society, we have no no bears to fight. We have no crops to grow. We're fat and happy and lazy. We have no survival struggle. Uh, as mm. a general rule, not to say that there aren't people out there that have to you know have to get up and fight every single day just to survive because some of us are not. There's there's many people in in this country that don't have it easy. Um, but as a general rule, you're going to look at a place like, um, well, I mean, look at a time, right? Look, look at a time like the middle ages when you're going to get up every day, you're going to work hard physically for 90% of the population. And regardless of how hard you work to feed your family, a warlord might be passing through and you know, you all get murdered for your, you know, for your beer stores and the three pigs that you own. Like, I mean, that was life. Life really sucked. You couldn't afford to, to disagree with your neighbors over, you know, whether they thought that taxes should be, you know, flat or income only or, you know, graduated, um, you know, you guys needed to help each other out with the grain harvest and somebody got to watch the pigs and somebody needs to go fish and somebody, you know, and all your wives need to get together and and make blankets together whatever. Like, you know, that it's like, I, we just need to get to tomorrow, right? We need to have enough food for tomorrow. We need to have roofs over our heads tomorrow. Um, you know, so without that, and it doesn't even have to be that severe. Like you'll see the effects. Obviously I've not had it that hard. And I want to stress that. Like, I am not trying to be like, yeah, I, you know, I just I, I've dealt with so much stuff in my life. I'm just a hard guy. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like no, I've had it pretty easy. But even with the limited, like, okay, sometimes my hours really sucked, and sometimes you know our leadership really sucked. Like it just, you know, as as minuscule as that is, you will still see it. Like us as a so my my unit before had it worse than the average on Quantico, right? Like most people's lives on Quantico are, are really really skate. Ours were not as skate. It, it kind of sucked on a regular basis. And we got way more lit on the weekends. Like 
everybody else just kind of sat in their rooms and played video games. Like we came together yep. and we were hanging but you out were and having unit. a good time. Yeah, your we, buddies. We were doing stuff together because like we needed that release. We needed that together time. So hmm. it doesn't even have to be that bad for people to come together. I, I promise you, if we see like a major economic recession and it not be a political issue, that people would really come together. Just just over the fact that like, hey, we're all poor now. Like, you know, how can we help each other hmm. out? Like, so. And I forget, and hopefully you didn't forget what you were saying when I cut you off to throw this whole enormous topic out there. Yeah, no, no, uh, no problem. So one question I like to ask is if a young kid came up to you and said, hey, I'm thinking about joining the military, um, what what would you tell them? What, what would you say? Um, Ad- what would your advice be, I guess? Well, everything in my life is hyper-political now. I've kind of made that like a part of most conversations. So um, there's a certain aspect of that where it would be like you have to understand that, first of all, your commander-in-chief can change at any point. And you're going to put yourself in a position by joining the, Mar- the Marine Corps especially, but just the military in general, where there are people who can tell you to do something that you absolutely believe is wrong and to 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 go with your beliefs could get you branded a traitor right you have to understand the stakes of putting yourself in that position for four years minimum sure um there's there's um a huge part i've been encouraging a friend of mine who wants to join the marine corps to not because he has very strong beliefs about certain things and i'm like listen whether your beliefs align with mine or not and whether your beliefs align with the current administration or whoever's in charge at the moment doesn't really matter because that'll change right unless you join right right when a new president enters office then your commander-in-chief will change right and it still potentially could because you know people get impeached and um sure you know so you have to understand like there's this massive political aspect to your life now um that you don't control and that was a, a conversation I had to have with myself when I was like, listen, there's there's things going on in the world right now that I 100% believe are completely wrong, and we are the kind of people that might be called on to enforce it. There was a moment um, surrounding the whole January 6th uh, Capitol protest, right, whatever you want to call mm, it, sure, sure. Um, where the um, – well, this is actually before that, but Congress was – some of the con- congressional leaders were talking about calling up um, – uh, the other branches to remove um, the president at the time, Trump, from office. And uh, mm, my okay. aunt, actually, who loves political stuff just as much as I do, she texted me. And she was like, hey, would there potentially be a situation where Congress calls on the other branches to remove Trump from office? And he says, hey, Marine Corps, do your job and stop that from happening. Right. Could there be an inter interservice war? And I was like, I mean, okay, what are the odds? They're they're less than a percent, right? They're they're minuscule that, that would actually happen. I think sure. I think cooler heads will prevail. Nobody wants a war between the United States Armed Armed Services because we know that the Marine Corps would win. Um, <laughs> At the crayon drawing contest, <laughs> what, you draw, you draw with your crayons? What are you what are you, what are you crazy? Um, no, but it's like you know, nobody wants that. That's not going to happen. But there is this aspect of where it's like you you might – like what if it did? Or or what if sure, Trump sure. comes out and makes a statement like, hey, Marine Corps, you're you know, you're know going to stop this from happening. And then upper Marine Corps um, leadership 
which, uh, you know, at which point it gets very political when you get into the upper echelon, um, says, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Who are you going with, right? Sure. What if one of my staff NCOs is saying, hey, you know, boys, <laughs> go to the armory. We're heading to D.C. And the other one's like, no, you know, sit down. We're not going. Like, I mean, you're going to have to make a choice, right? And at that point, it's not even like, do I follow orders or do I do what I think is right? It's like, which set of orders do you follow? You know, like there's there's a million moral dilemmas that you could put yourself into. And the world is no longer a simple world. Everything is complex, right? Everything has butterfly effects going on, right? Used, sure. to, used to be you could do stuff – well, used to be not in my lifetime really, but especially before the age of the internet, you could do stuff and not really have – Back rip, in the ripple. before time. <laughs> yeah, back in the ancient times. Um, <clears throat> back in uh, the dates that were BI before iPhone. Um, <laughs> you know, you could do stuff and they didn't have this massive ripple effect. Now you do anything. They're, you know, like everything you do, especially as somebody like – not to not to claim I have like this huge influence pool, right? But as as a United States Marine, anything that you do, and they, they emphasize this all the time, anything that you do has like this other side to it where it's like, oh well, this Marine did this, you know. I'm not, you know, some like general or colonel or something like that where it's gonna be this massive ordeal if I say something, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly I can say whatever I want to on Facebook and nobody's gonna care. Um, <laughs> so it's like, but you know, there's this other side to it, right? And you. Sure. So anybody yeah. that's considering joining the Marine Corps needs to be like needs to understand that that is reality now for them if they want to do that or just the Marine or the the military in general. I I, t- I have this very strong tendency to think of the military as the Marine Corps and then those other weirdos. Yeah, uh, yeah the no, rest of no, them. Nobody really cares about them. Um, so so it's one of those things, you know. Like I would I would say that to them. I'd say like, listen, you know, everybody else is going to tell you like, yeah, get in shape, you know, yeah, learn all your general orders and whatever else. I'm going to tell you. This is the reality that's going to hit you when you're in the fleet, you know, that like – and you look at – you know, and some political issues going on. I'm, just look what's going on right now, right? Vaccine mandates for the troops. I have a serious moral issue with it on multiple levels. So me – as stupid as it sounds to say, me and the Marine Corps are no longer compatible. I respect their um, authority to try and demand that of people, but I will not be putting that into my body. End of story. So – it makes every logical sense for them to separate me. And, you know, no hard feelings on my end. Like, I get it. You're doing what you got to do. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I've made my choices. So, and I'm willing to live with those consequences. But that's uh, something they should be aware of. Sure. Yeah, I mean, regardless of which side of that issue you're on, you can you can recognize that here's two extreme positions Yeah. that are trying to be under the same command structure. And... And if a kid's going to go in, he should be aware of that. Absolutely. Of the reality of what he's going to be under. Yeah. Hmm. I figure everybody else is going to say something like, oh, you're going to run a lot. You know, get ready for life to suck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I figure I try and throw something else out there that not everybody else said. So. Sure. Yeah. And that's kind of the part of the deal is that my goal here is just to give a, a viewpoint that you don't see in the movies. Or you don't see in the news, you know, like what? What's that? What's some just some random dude or some average guy? Um, what's his experience? What's his day to day like? Yeah, not the cool stuff that makes it makes it in the on the TV screen or something or on the Facebook or whatever. So that, that darn that darn Instabook, yeah. Facegram, yep. whatever the kids are doing these these days. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, cool. I mean, hey, that's uh, definitely insightful. It, like I say, it's good to get a bunch of different viewpoints, and then you're you had that unique kind of like techie techie side that you definitely would not expect from the Marines, if anybody. Yeah, like, you don't think people think of the military as like gun toting, you know, tank driving people, and yeah. and there's a lot of support staff. There's a vast amount of support staff. Um, the Marine Corps is, is like is has I think the most that are like directly on the ground boots on the ground kind of people. We have by far the least infrastructure and support personnel, and we're still like a hundred to one. Like sure. you have a, like a hundred plus support personnel for every set of boots that's on the ground. It is it is unfathomable how many, especially for like the, well I don't think the Air Force really is. The Air Force is like ten thousand to one because they got like what a hundred people in their PJ program. So sure, it's like, sure. they got like no boots on the ground, but even for like the Navy, the, the army the army has so much support personnel. Like there's just. So yeah. Do you have any like final thoughts or any like general concepts you want to wrap up with? Yeah. Um, I would say this, this has nothing to do with being in the military, but sure. Go educate yourself outside of the news, right? There's everything is political today, right? Everything is news driven. Everything is, you know, he said this, that they said that the Democrats, the Republicans, whoever go turn off CNN, turn off Fox news, turn off MSNBC, turn off all of those people, right? OAN. I don't care what side of the aisle they're on. Turn them off. Go do the research for yourself. Go read the bill, go, you know, learn about political bases and, um, you know, talk to people that are on the other side of the aisle or somewhere in the middle, right? I don't care if you're libertarian, uh, conservative, far left, far right, um, centrist, like, and I know people from all these different, like, political thought bubbles. You will learn something from every single one if you ask them truly, like, hey, Hmm. where are you coming from? Why do you believe what you believe? You go look at, you know, like, okay, what do these people truly stand for, right? What is the history of this politician? What have they voted for in the past, right? What are these bills? Like, you can find very, like, fact-based breakdowns of most of these like really lengthy language filled bills that it's like, okay, I don't understand if I read it myself. If I go read somebody who broke it down, right, then I'll understand what the bill is really advocating for. What's going to happen if they pass this bill, go educate yourself, break out of the echo chamber where everybody just keeps feeding. So, Cause your YouTube recommended your news recommended, every recommended is just going to be more of what you already saw. So sure, they're never going to sure. break you out of that bubble. You have to go do it intentionally, go research the other side, whatever you don't believe, look into it. You'll learn stuff. If nothing else, you'll learn how to argue better, right? And who doesn't love Mm -hmm. that? Thank you for listening to this episode of How I Embraced the South. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend. And as my Girl Scout den mother used to say, stay frosty. I'm just I'm just gonna make this as hard for you to edit as possible. Uh, maximum <laughs> difficulty. I'll just leave it all in. Uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's not really that much exciting about my Marine So I guess daughter diaper changes and getting beef jerky are kind of the highlights of this whole episode.